Hey, it's Andrew, the director of Literary Arts. Here at Literary Arts, we rely on our community, people like you, for support. To help make this podcast and all our programming possible, give today. Literary-arts.org forward slash donate. Welcome to the Archive Project. I'm Andrew Proctor, Executive Director of Literary Arts. The Archive Project is a retrospective of some of the most engaging talks from the world's best writers from more than 35 years of literary arts in Portland. We're closing out Season 8 of The Archive Project with the fourth episode in our series with Oregon Shakespeare Festival, in which we've explored storytelling at the intersections of playwriting, theater production, performance, and literature. This episode features playwright Mona Mansour and director Evren Ochkin discussing Unseen, which had its West Coast premiere at OSF in summer 2022. Unseen follows an American conflict photographer who wakes up at the site of a massacre in Syria. The surreal experience leads her on a journey to piece together the details of her own family history and explore the impact of our individual actions. In this conversation, Mansour discusses how her personal identity as a Lebanese-American informs her creative works and the profound impact of sharing immigrant stories on American stages. Mansour's plays ask nuanced questions about what it means to identify as American, and they also do the vital work of expanding our country's mythologies to include widened perspectives. As we continue to emerge from two years of isolation and shuttered theaters and concert halls, witnessing art and hearing deeply human stories together once more will be essential for our collective connection and healing. Hello, everyone. I'm Evren Ochkin. I'm the Associate Artistic Director and Director of Artistic Programming at Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And I want to start by thanking Lit Arts for inviting us to the Archive Project. It is very exciting to have this opportunity to talk to the various artists and writers of our 22 season. And I'm specifically very excited to actually get to talk to the playwright that was my collaborator this year, Mona Mansour, um, who wrote Unseen, which is actually um, in performance right now. Welcome, Mona. Hello. So Happy nice to be here. So nice to have you. Um, so Mona Mansour is a Lebanese-American playwright and has won many awards, the Whiting Award, the Kessinger Award. Um, and you had the great uh, pressure slash honor slash enjoyment of having two large productions that you built and ran on two sides of the country on scene at OSF, as well as the beautiful Vagrant Trilogy, one of my favorites, uh, directed by Mark Wing Davy at the Public Theater. Um, and uh, I'm sort of curious, we'll start from the ending. What's next on the horizon for you? Do you have a project coming up right now? I do. And um, it's, I have two projects that go up this summer in New York. One is a first time production of a play called Beginning Days of True Jubilation. I wrote a lot of it pre-COVID was meant to do it in person when COVID hit. And we did end up doing a Zoom rendering of it with the theater company I formed a couple of years ago called Society. Um, that is a big and silly play that's an exploration of a startup. Um, I know there's a lot of that in the air right now. 
Um, but it'll be, that goes up this summer at the New Ohio. And then I also am co-writing with Jessica Holt, a walking tour that is also kind of silly and wonderful. And I literally don't know the whole name. It's like, un, un, she's, I just could be so mad if I can't remember. It's like unrecorded dreams, the magic and wonder of downtown New York. And basically that sounds terrible, but it's, it's a, it's a really fun project that we are writing basically for um, a performer named Michelle J. Rodriguez, who is a downtown performer. And like a lot of people was out for, of work for two years. And so the play within the play is that she's, she, the character of Michelle J. Rodriguez took this job because she needs the money. And she's giving kind of this ostensibly this like downtown tour of like all the high hotspots for Hamilton. <laughs> and it's like a regular old tour until it's not. And it kind of, that. yeah, it, it gets, she, she kind of goes rogue and then it gets really fun. And she's just, new to me um, and uh, wonderful performer and, and Jessica and I have co-written it, which is really fun. Um, so I'm happy to step into those this summer because it has been a very uh, intense, like winter into spring and it's not like unseen as, you know, a French farce. So <laughs> that is didn't I joke true. that I was saying that to you. I was like, I'm going to write a French farce now. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I have to say, you did certainly live in two, I don't want to undersell the fact that they're very human, and there's quite a bit of humor and connection and healing in them. But both of the plays, Vagrant Trilogy being about the sort of Palestinian diasporic experience, and refugee experience, and then Unseen, focusing on a photographer, war correspondent photographer, uh, that is working in the Middle East and sort of the traumas that she witnesses and actually sort of takes on on her body. Uh, you know, you've certainly had a pretty intense, as you said, uh, winter. I'm sort of, um, you know, in the introduction for you, Mona, I did a, a what I consider to be sort of a simplified stamp on your identity of saying like, you're Lebanese American, which is not untrue. But I wanted to sort of I feel like in certain ways, your identities and the way you see the world through your mixed race identity become so central in the ways in which you approach story and character. And in some ways, I feel like it doesn't. So I just wanted to sort of ask you to, as an artist, define like how you start and if your various intersectional identities sort of are a guidepost for you in any way or not. Yeah, it's, that's such an interesting question because um, it feels like I haven't started to write a play lately. It's been very much like seeing home projects that were started and this this like lap toward, you know, the finish line had to happen. Partly true with Unseen, mm -hmm. um, definitely true with Unseen and, and definitely true with the Vagrant Trilogy. Um, so it's funny because I'm like, oh, I could tell you more about how I finish at this point. <laughs> but there's just usually something that's pulling at me in some way, shape, or form. And around that same thing, I the, the characters might come from that. 
usually that's kind of how it works. Like I find the thing that's really pulling at me. And then it's like, who, who, who do I want to confront that? I mean, it's, it's not sy- systematic at all. Um, it's not at all like a step one, step two type of thing. And, you know, it, we could talk about how unseen was written, which was, you know, um, I did research. It was a commission. It was a really well chosen commission, meaning I'm glad I said yes to it. And that the other people who also got this type of commission, it was just a really good mix of people. Um, This was at South Coast Rep, Kelly Miller. um, And it was like Carla Ching, Aditi Kapil, Kui Gwen, who's there with you now, uh, myself. I'm afraid I'm going to mess up and miss a couple of people. But of course, we all were sort of tasked with something, which was to go to do a little bit of research on whatever we wanted, something around the actual sort of area that South Coast Rep is in, which is kind of Orange County. And I then and now there was a great deal of like sort of Islamophobia. There's a great deal of, um, I guess, sort of either disinterest or just out and out disdain for sort of um, the goings on in the Middle East. You know, like the kinds of things that people will say like, um, oh my God, it's always just awful there. Or like, I can't keep track. It's, you know, which I think is just pure laziness. So I don't know. I was writing into that stuff. And and then I also, somewhere along the line, got very interested in um, what memory is. And um, that took me down a whole other path. Like, is there such thing as a false memory, which is not really something the play explores? Um, I think I tend to do a lot of just writing. And sometimes I trick myself into like coming up with dialogue and so you could, you know this, because I, we had a kind of a due date with that mm-hmm. commission, and I just sent you a bunch of stuff. And um, I think you made comments, or you were like, oh, I want to know more about this scene, or oh, that's so interesting. And I think that I, I don't, like, it's just a given to me that, you know, as we're talking that um, you are someone who is, is comfortable with questions. And comfortable with not knowing and comfortable with looking at like the unformed, so cliche, but the unformed piece of clay. And yeah. So that's how that one Mm -hmm. started. They're all kind of different, but, but I do, I guess if I had to, you know, I I do do a lot of research. um, I ask a lot of questions and then I sort of trick myself into starting to write dialogue. And then if there's a deadline, then that's usually, (laughs) Oh my God. Cause then it's like, okay, Let's read what you have and then move from there. It's not, I think I used to think it was easier and more quick. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh. I need the time. It takes just time to, like, sometimes maybe I'm saying that because it has taken me time. Yeah. So thank God I think that. But when I think of the ways that, like, the ways in which unseen certain things were more interesting to me, or more compelling. And then they kind of receded. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what the, we had a reading at the magic, mm-hmm. uh, you and I in 
early 2021, I think, mm-hmm. which is a whole nother thing to talk about, which is what is it? Cause we're still in this time, but like, what is it to do a zoom reading? Mm-hmm. What is it to do a zoom reading? We were in our zoom room, January 6, 2021. Yeah. When and... the insurrection in DC, but you know, take over the, whatever you want to call it, uh, and, happened. And, and, and it, that was a really are. interesting play to be working on. I know as that was happening and we had folks in DC that were you know had to take yes. a moment to make sure that they were going to be safe. Yeah, there um, was a, the one of, of the uh, magic interns yeah. because everybody nobody was at, nobody was sitting at the magic for that. Yeah. And and this is Magic Theater in San Francisco. Magic yeah. Theater in San Francisco. But what strikes me as interesting is I think something that's built into unseen that I kind of borrowed from mm-hmm. my own like Lebanese American viewpoint was there's a certain um, with Daria uh, for anybody who hasn't seen Unseen it's a three-hander three women who play different roles but the sort of core three roles are Mia who's a conflict photographer her on again off again girlfriend Daria who is her Turkish girlfriend whose apartment they are in in Istanbul and um, uh, Mia's mother who comes to check in on her daughter from the States. And so Daria has a kind of like, what's the word you would say? I'm curious. And there might be a Turkish word for this. She's cynical about politics. Mm. Yes. You know, she's not her. It's not that she doesn't care, but she has a little bit of a shrug when she says, you know, it's probably going to get worse here. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's something really, and in a weird way, with all the goings on now in the U.S., I actually find I'm a Turkish immigrant born and raised there and then came here for college and stayed. So, you know, there's a, quite a bit of me in this play, I feel, in terms of our knowing each other and me being so involved for eight years of development with the play. Um, I feel like there's a lot of me in Daria. I always felt like um, Americans had this bright-eyed optimism about the possibilities of the future when I first came here now, gosh, 20 years ago. And in a certain way, that has been eroded. And in a lot of ways, that's terrible. Um, And in some ways, it's actually made my existence here easier because the ways in which I can imagine the worst, but then I'm still a stubborn idealist, so I push for the best, is understood in certain ways here in ways I don't think it was understood. I was seen a little bit more as a curmudgeon um, Uh and like that I didn't believe the cause or I didn't believe in change. And I think um, Americans are sort of starting to wrestle with uh, in what ways our society has failed us and continues to fail us. And that hopefulness, hopelessness, hand in hand is, you know, we're in the midst of it. It's so hard to, I can't, I don't even know if I have a thesis about that right. statement, but I feel like there is the play, I think, because it's an American photographer and an American mother taking photos of Middle Eastern folks and engaging with Daria, who's a professor of behavioral economics in Turkey and has been in the U.S., has been in Turkey. Um, I think there is such deep, interesting, uh, interesting conversation around these values of what you believe to be true and um, what does change making look like or um, 
and it's kind of interesting how the absolutes of some of Jane's statements might intersect with some of the more nuanced ways Daria sees the world. And then Jane comes in, the mother, with very surprising and deep understanding of how American culture works that's actually not as black and white as we all like to sort of, on the liberal side especially, uh, sort of speak about. Um, so I feel like your plays always, but this play specifically feels so, um, it's about the nuanced question and not about the answers. Yes, I think that's true. What I find so striking is, you know, January 6th, mm-hmm. we're doing the reading or we're rehearsing. And in in the play, I think at the front of it, it says something about this play takes place prior to the coup or the attempted coup in Turkey mm-hmm. on such and such a date. And when you write about politi- politics, when you write about certain current events or goings mm-hmm. on in the Middle East, um, you always run the risk that the sands have changed and you go, oh, do I have to update this now? Yes. What do I do? And yet the fact is, well, you've said this. You're like, I think someone like Daria might not still be in, in Turkey. Turkey right now. Mm-hmm. In other ways, though, it's like, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's like, exactly. and I guess I say all that because like, I'm not even sure that on that January 6th, I'm not even sure I processed it. Like I didn't even really go, oh my God, we're looking at this moment as we're rehearsing this play, right? That is centered in what might call, one might call the Middle East, an area that one might call unstable. And and we still have this idea here that we're pretty stable. And we are in a lot of ways, obviously. Yeah. But I'm kind of, I'm also talking to you the day after uh, another horrific school shooting, Yeah, the one in Texas. And so um, is it, I mean, are we, I, I'm always thinking about, um, so here I am, the curmudgeon, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, is this exceptional? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. It's exceptionally violent in a certain way that is not true in lots and lots of places in the world, including some of the places that are in unseen. If you look at them outside of war time, yeah. you know, that kind of violence that we have here. Oh my God. Now I'm just like jumping right into political mm-hmm. things. I, I don't have data for this, but we tend to think of perhaps the events in unseen as being so far away and they're in this other part of the world and they are, but we're a little bit on a knife edge here. I feel that's so true to me because I'm an immigrant and you are the child of an immigrant with, you know, an American mother, as you said, and a Lebanese father. So uh, I think both of us have similar but different experiences of over here and over there, right? Like those lines, uh, and especially in our modern day, like the distance is very real, the cultural gap is very real, but also actually not that much, right? And when you're coming from over there and live here, or if you live here and have access to over there in your house, um, I think um, you see some of the myth-making America is built on. You know, you see through the matrix, 
you sort of see the reality through how we like to present ourselves versus who we might actually be. And I think that part um, and that idea in the American theater um, of plays about over there that feels far or that an American audience can witness from a safe distance or can ignore the complicity of America, our government and our people in the making of some of these tragedies. I think we're all, those of us who are in the midst of this work and carrying these lived experiences and identities are in different places of um, contemplating that and questioning that and poking at that. And I feel like unseen, if I may say so for you in the third person, your work does really center around that questions of over there and over here and really questioning all of the biases and the givens that we bring to that statement. Mm -hmm. And unseen feels purposefully so because mm -hmm. it is about an American documenter of Middle Eastern pain in a way, you know, so it like really centers those ethical questions of how we look at those problems. Um, I'm sort of curious, Mona, about, you've certainly written plays set in the US, The Way West, and the one that's coming up now with society. And then you've, you have your plays that are about over there, right? The Vagrant mm -hmm. Trilogy, Unseen sort of splits a little bit the difference, but is really mostly set over there. And then you've had plays like We Swim, We Talk, We Go to War, which is, you know, about that second generation, third generation experience and, uh, you know, runs the gamut. So I'm super curious, as someone with that hyphenated identity, um, what draws you to over there, I guess? Because you've talked about how you have siblings who are not as involved in Middle Eastern politics or um, stories. And you're clearly, that's part of your uh, sort of the way you make sense of this. So I'm sort of curious about that. It's sort of like, you know, and again, it's interesting because I'm just trying to think through like what the, how I end up where I end up. But I think it's like the I, the questions the obsessions that float around and then who best or how best can I find out about that? I, there was a moment with unseen. I mean, it wasn't even called unseen at that point, but mm -hmm. when I was just writing these like ideas, I was like, no, I want it to be someone who's come back to like orange County and is her family's trying to take care of her. But there was something about not that, that, that got to be more interesting to me. And you were asking about sort of intersectionality and, you know, I'm a gay woman and the other stuff I was reading at the time had a lot to do with um, kind of the ways in which in particular sort of some white people, white women, white men sort of viewed Muslim women and this idea of like this fixation on the hijab and the types of things where there was a kind of um, paternalistic kind of view. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I, I'd like to explore that. That would be, that would be fun to explore. And so I think with Daria, you, you sort of get to see the pushback, the, you know, her version of the answer to that, like, don't tell me that I'm oppressed. Right. And then Jane later is like, dances around somewhat uncomfortably. The fact that Daria doesn't pray and mm -hmm. you know um 
And then Darius like, yeah, no fucking way. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I am a devout, uh, not since say devout, but I am Muslim. And mm-hmm. that also came from just the conversations I have with people. I think yeah. that one thing that I do find interesting is that in the sort of Middle Eastern theater community, whether we're talking the entire country or just the clusters of us in New York or San Francisco, you know, I don't know if I were in Lebanon, if I would know a lot of Turkish people or mm-hmm. if I would be moving outside, perhaps my my family um, community. But in in the cities here where we're all the children of immigrants or immigrants ourselves, you know, it's like, oh, no, I know a ton of people from sort of all over the Middle East. And so I know people who are practicing Muslim, people who are not, people who kind of, you know, this year they are going to do Ramadan or, you know, um, and that felt important because I felt like it's just that basic task of like complicating the narrative, Mm -hmm. which is not something I, like I do that in my, I try to do that in my life. And I try to do that all the time as I move through the world. Um, I think that it's just, in, I, I hope it's intrinsic to how I am in the world um, that, that I recognize that, as you said, intersectional, you know, that people can be a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of came from my upbringing because there just was this, you know, it's interesting when you, when you just look at the basics, it's like, you, you know, I was raised by someone who came to America for certain things. So in some ways, um, he's far more, he's much more idealistic about America than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has always been part of the way I look at the world. So I guess it's reflected in my writing. That's really interesting. The complexity question is so interesting to me because... And, you know, we're at a certain point within the Middle Eastern North African theater community, Middle Eastern North African South Asian, SWANA, you know, we have all these titles and umbrellas that we decide or not decide to sit under, right? And, you know, there's strength in numbers in a way um, when you're trying to do advocacy work. Um, But the big thing I feel that has been pushed for is we need more of our stories and we need our stories to be allowed to be as complicated as any other story. And the thing that I've learned from you, Mona, over the last decade of our collaboration, and I hope I have upheld with you as a collaborator, is we must always choose the more complicated version, you know, that we do not simplify these women, these stories for consumption in a way and we you know and i feel like even on scene certainly but we've made a few plays together um yeah you have such a organic and intrinsic commitment to creating complicated characters you know and and it just becomes and you refuse to sort of tie it with a bow which I find mm-hmm. really moving because mm-hmm. I feel like, especially when you're working on, which is a good portion of both of our works, like in the theater and elsewhere of like centering marginalized stories or stories that, or characters that are not used usually put in the center. Um, there is a sort of pressure put on it to be digestible and have a bow on it and not to get too messy, you know, all of those things. And I always find you are just 
not in a militaristic way even, just like as a person, you re reject the whole paradigm that you're supposed to be simplifying yourself or your character or your stories or your ending for someone else. So, and I, I mean, I guess the question now that I've sort of waxed poetic a little bit about my love for your work, have there been moments in your career where I guess that this is, it's a bit of a leading question, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, in what ways have you felt like you were put in a box and had to sort of fight out of it? Or have you found, you know, I say we're of this, like we found our tribe and that's not mm -hmm. just because we have some Middle Eastern identity overlap mm -hmm. or queer identity overlap. Mm -hmm. Until you find your tribe, sometimes you have to try different tribes and find your, you know, fight some boxes. Do you feel like you've had to go through that process in the American theater? And where do you feel like you are with that question now um, as you make your career in theater and now, of course, in TV and film? I mean, it's so interesting about that because um, I think that what's true about so many people who are immigrants or children of immigrants is uh, the notion of code switching or the notion of like, hearing a couple different languages at home or the multiplicity of voices for me was just part of life. Like, in other words, you grow up and you, you hear English from two different people in my case. Right. So I heard my mother's English, which is like a Seattle English. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I hear my dad's English, which is a, you know, still after probably 60 years, he came in 1958. So what are we talking about? Um, still accented, right? Certain words that get chosen because it's his second language, but also because he comes from a more emphatic rhetorical style, I think. So like, that's the English I grew up hearing, but I also grew up hearing like fucking television all the time and commercials and, and FM and AM radio. So it's all like, what is it? Just a melange, right? For any of us. So, you know, I think that um, a sort of, there isn't a monoculture. There are dominant cultures and we all talk, you know, obviously talk about that stuff. But um, so, so what, what are the voices that you, that you heard how did those voices affect the way that you heard the language? Like, I, I think that um, uh, I, I, I would venture to say that in some way or another, like hearing Arabic every day affected my use of English, mm -hmm. you know, um, because I suppose even when I write for like white characters, I like to have a character sort of search for a word sometimes. So do people put people in boxes? I suppose they do. Um, and it's, it's, um, it's almost not even your business as the writer. I think mm. those boxes, it's just like, you're just, you know, you and I've talked about this, like you Everin, right. You're like, I would love to direct play X, whether it's like some classic American thing. And, and I think the boxes can sometimes be things like, well, you are a Middle Eastern American writer, so you you must be interested in all war stories or something. It's like, no, not not so much. Not if you read my plays, you know. I, I'm not 
That's not what I'm really drawn toward. I'm usually interested in what's happening inside the rooms when the war is going outside yes. or whatever. So, you know, again, I think it's it's an interesting thing. And I think writers, we have it a little easier than actors. I don't know about how directors fare in that, but that, you know, you choose to write what you're writing. I feel like I've, I've been able to, uh, yeah, like if I think about something like The Way West, like it's rather different than Unseen yes. um, or even the plays I'm having this summer, which are sort of much sillier and um, more, ugh, I hate the word whimsy. You know, there's just a whimsical thing to them. Um, but I think, isn't that what sort of any writer that you love, I mean, um, like that's what's guided me, right? As I read people that I love, I'm like, oh, God, I'm just thinking of like homebody Kabul. And it's like that first homebody part. I mean, that's almost impossible to read or understand at times. And then there's these shards of like completely recognizable things. It keeps you on track just enough. And then it's just like overwhelming. And then underneath it is this, I mean, it's been a few years since I've read it, but underneath it is this desperation and this sadness and this longing that she has. Mm. So yeah, I think, I think as writers, um, I would say it's important to like let other people have those thoughts. Yeah. Um, that's right? really lovely. That's yeah. That is just such a lovely thing to hear in a way, Mona. Um because I think we're in a place where uh we're all imposing a lot of things on each other. And this is not just in the American theater or in writing or directing or art making, but like in the world, especially in America, that um, you must sort of publicly declare who you are and what that means, right? And who, which, which, who do you align with has to align around those things you say about yourself. And I think there's something, and this is true for everyone, but for those of us who have such intersectional and by external standards conf conflicting <laughs> lived experiences and identities. And in my case, I don't want to impose this on you. Great love and longing and grounding in my cultures and my religious experience and family and, you know, Turkey and also such complex feelings and disappointments and anger um, towards any part of my lived experience and identities. And it can be, it can feel quite, it, I will say in my 20s probably, it felt quite violent and angry making that uh, I was being forced to sort of choose sides and be clear. And I didn't yet have the spine in a way because I hadn't worked with you yet. And this is the thing about mm. being a director is that writers are these huge brains and huge hearts that have the words to put on those things. So if you're a director Inshallah. or a person who doesn't um, think in words in that way, uh, it is lovely to be able to borrow and experience in the worlds of these different writers. I think of you, I think of Betty Shamia, I think of Yusuf Al-Gindi, Heather Raffo, you know, Hannah Khalil, these Hassan Abdul Razak, you know, like these Melissa Kerr, these amazing Middle Eastern North African writers whose worlds and characters and political arguments and 
identity experiments on stage that I got to live in and stage and think about dramaturgically, uh, I think I feel so much more um, bolstered now in my 40s to be able to face that boxing question, you know, that like, I, I can make the boxes work for me, you know, yeah. rather yeah. than feel like I'm being limited by them, that a box or an self-identification or an umbrella identity is a tool for healing and change and advocacy and less sort of uh, forcing me to divide myself into parts and show up in this room as a queer man, show up in this room as a Middle Eastern person, show up in this room as an immigrant, you know, um, it, 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 it's, it's certainly my engagement with your work specifically, but also the work of so many other writers that are your contemporaries and others uh, that have been helpful um, in that. And I, I, in a weird way, as an artist, I think that's what I wish for from Unseen. Like, I don't make plays, and I don't know if you do either, thinking about, like, I want the audience to walk away with X, right? Like, it's just, I don't know what people will take away from my plays, you know, because they're complex and they have to ask a lot of questions. Uh, and I'm always surprised and excited when people find pockets of meaning that I might not have even intended. But the thing I do want from Unseen, especially in this post-pandemic experience, is a reflection of themselves, whoever they may be, that some part of the play reflects them and then some part of the play surprises and challenges them. And then they leave having felt deeply <laughs> together with a bunch of strangers in a room, you know? Um, and I think, I think that's sort of the gift that you've given me with this play over the last eight years, certainly. And I feel we've gotten to experience together in the making of this specific production at OSF. Well, no, thank you for saying that. I mean, I've been thinking a, a few of the things you said, like one thing is um, I don't think a play for me is, is identity. Mm -hmm. I don't think a play, I don't think identity is a play and I don't think a play is identity for yes. me. Um, I think what you were saying about the post pandemic time is that like, I think one thing that feels important to me is it's, I, I feel like I said this a short while ago on this other podcast that I was doing, but I was like, I feel like now more than ever, theater has a responsibility to bring people together who just might not be at each other's dinner parties, you know, maybe never want to sit down together for a cup of tea, but like they're, they can sit together in this room, you know, in real, in real time, you know, breathing the same air and they can like witness something. And there aren't a lot of places where that actually happens anymore anymore. And so there, it, it feels to me like we do have this like mandate. And so to, to do that. And so part of it is like some idea of just like a certain, maybe, cause I know you were saying, I don't like to wrap things up or have a, put mm -hmm. a bow on them, which is true. Yeah. But I think I feel a little more generous maybe than I did eight or so years ago when I first started working on the play, I probably had a little more of like a Fuck you white Americans, you know, you don't want to look, I'm going to force you to look. <laughs> and 
I feel like I have a bit more generosity now, which is um, toward toward the audience and and even toward the characters for sure. Like that's how the play grew. Um, I think I wrote into the hard edges, particularly of Mia in the early renderings. And then she really got sort of softened and um, and I think maybe I feel a little softer. I'm often angry. Like today I've been angry and upset all day about the fact that there is this baked in violence into our culture and that I, I, that I am pretty, I feel fairly powerless over um, changing the mindset that feels kind of like baked in for a lot of people mm. that like, this is, this is my right. You know, I, I don't know what to do about that, but I feel like on the other side of that, and it could be being tired from the <laughs> pandemic. It could be seeing seeing other people go through such tremendous amounts of grief or going through my own grief. But I feel like I'm just, I, I want to have a little bit of a grace note, you know, and, and to have, you know, you are going to sit there and watch the characters go through something that really God willing you, you, you I really pray that you do not have to go through what the character of Nancy goes through. Mm-hmm. I really pray that you don't, but if you have, I hope we've gotten it. I hope it resonates for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope it resonates for you and gives you some catharsis. And yeah, because the catharsis of theater, I think, um, isn't that part of our task? Just literally the spaces that allow us to, to be with a group of other people watching the same thing. It may affect us all differently, but watching the same thing all at once and to have a sort of catharsis in the presence of someone else. I mean, I just feel like, um, again, when I think about unseen, that's my, that is, that is a wish that I have that it's, it's not easy. It's not a play that's like a laugh fest front to back with a couple of rough moments. It's the humor in that play is like people who are trying to survive. Yes. But the world around us has changed a bit since we both, started talking about this play in 2014. Um, And we're all a little bit, I mean, a little bit or a lot, you know, uh, changed. I think we are. So when I think about this like hazy kind of dreamlike place where we try to meet the audience for something like Unseen, I mean, it's a very realistic play but then it's not. Yeah. But we're sort of, I think, I think I hope sort of extending this hand to them to say like, it's really painful to sit with this, but Mm -hmm. you sitting and watching this, you're actually doing what Mia finds quite difficult to do in her life. You are looking. And I do think as Americans, we really, it is one of our, character defects if you want to put it that way as a country you know just the myopia and amnesia that yeah um this country has a cyclical nature to our patterns and somehow our culture allows us to pretend like this thing hasn't happened before um 
Can you talk a little bit about your perspective on collaboration and, you know, how do you choose your collaborators? What are you looking for in a collaborator as a writer? Because, you know, I mean, I'm sure you write other things too, but theater writing is literally cannot be done alone. It is, it is an art form that requires you to work with other people. Uh, and I see you in the rooms that I've been able to be a part of with you, so generous with actors, so generous with directors, so generous with designers in terms of their perspective on these words that are yours. Uh, I'm sort of curious about if there is a way you go about setting those relationships, choosing those relationships, or how you approach artists that are going to be, you know, part of your family for a minute as you make a play. Yeah, I mean, I would say what I was saying earlier, which is that, you know, in terms of like you and me, right, it was like you had this openness to you and a sense of humor. And I think the first time we spoke, you were getting ready to direct a reading of Urge for Going. And the next time we spoke, you, you had done the reading and you were like talking about the last few pages and you're like, I don't know what that was. Something happened. I'm not even sure I understand it. Um, and you were rather comfortable with that. Hmm. Rather comfortable, I, not uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, I love that. Because I don't, I, I think that, um, you know, some people walk, some people operate very poetically. So, you know, you, their plays are like, you, you may not know what's going on at all. And that's fine. Hmm. And I'm, you know, not that, but I also do take from the world of poetry the the idea that you you don't have to fill every fucking moment mm-hmm. with what everybody's supposed to think at every damn second. So I think, I guess I look for someone who has that sort of aesthetic in mm-hmm. some way. Directors, you know, I I would say, yeah, it, it's funny. I'm just thinking of like I'm currently working with Jessica Holt. Mm-hmm. I'm working with Scott Illingworth. I worked with you. I worked with Mark Queen Davy. There's a playfulness, I would say, about each of you in different ways, mm-hmm. you know, and and a sort of groundedness. I quite like that. I quite like when, um, I don't know. There's something. There's that quote about Brecht or the story of Brecht, where Brecht was like, "I don't want to talk about theory. Like, just show me. Let's try it." Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it is a it is a kind of theater does come down to sometimes to these very like earthly considerations hmm. should the door open and then the, the head comes through the door and then the light shows or should we try it another way and i think that um having a certain playfulness about that approach but then also just like almost like a workmanlike approach if that sounds right i don't know yeah i i suppose i'm not so into the ethereal kind of musing that isn't tied to a sort of practical, Interesting. you know, how is that, how's that going to go? Um, I love being dreamy, but also just like, what's, what's that look what like? What are we doing and, right now? Yeah. I think. What are we doing? Yeah. It's, it's and, so interesting. Yeah. Theater. I think you sort of summed up. In a way, your place, I mean, it makes sense that we work so well together because I, I am a, you know, I'd like to think we're both smart people. You do a lot of research. So there is great depth of data that the plays are based on. And there is a great deal of theory that the plays are based on. And I think my productions would be based on. But at the end of the day, I, I do respond to working artists. You know what I mean? So I think that idea that 
we make a thing by working on it in space and make concrete physical decisions, <laughs> you know? Um, and I know that sounds so obvious uh, in a certain no. way, but I do feel like there's a let's try it, let's make it, let's make that strong decision and then figure it out later um, feels really, really important. Um, Mona, I just have to say, anytime I get to spend this length of time to talk about life, art, and the world with you, it is such a gift. Um, Aww, I, I feel hope... the same way, Avrin. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for all your plays, specifically on scene for me in this current moment. Mona, I am so thankful that you are in the American theater, that you're in my life, and this conversation was... Um, an absolute joy and exactly what I needed today to feel a little Aww. bit more hopeful about the world. Back at you, Evren, and I'm thrilled that you're there at OSF and uh, shaking it all up. That was Mona Mansour and Evren Ochkin from the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. You can catch Unseen at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival through July 31st, 2022. Thank you to Josh Horvath, Liz Lanier, and Donya Washington from the Oregon Shakespeare Festival for their work in this week's episode. The Archive Project is produced by Crystal Liguori and Donald Orr for Radio and Podcast, with oversight by Amanda Bullock and support from Liz Olofsson and Alberto Swaim, and I'm the executive producer. Special thanks to Literary Arts marketing staff Joe T. Roy and Hope Levy, and the entire Literary Arts staff, board, and community. This show would not be possible without them. Thanks also to the band Emancipator for our theme music, and thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Andrew Proctor. And this has been another episode of the Archive Project from Literary Arts. Join us next time and find your story here.